0: Welcome to another episode of the Emergency Docs. Today's guest is pretty incredible. Alyssa Carson is a spaceflight enthusiast who's known for being the only person to attend every space camp, attending her first space camp at age seven. Is that right? Yes, that's right. right. You beat me by four years. I think I was 11 when I first went. You also have your private pilot's license, and you've completed all sorts of spaceflight related training, including scuba diving, microgravity flights, G-force training, and more. Alyssa has also visited all 14 of NASA's visitor centers and won several awards. She's given several TED Talks and is a huge advocate for women in STEM, and by STEM I mean science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. She's also certified for Civil Riddle Research Spacelight, and did I mention that she's just barely turned 20? She's only 20. So welcome, Alyssa, and happy belated birthday. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, happy Women's History Month. Today, we're talking about women in STEM. So, many women in medicine study fields like chemistry, mathematics, and physics before going to medical school, just as astronauts study all sorts of subjects before becoming astronauts. So while we aren't specifically discussing emergency medicine today, we're talking about women in science. And for those of you who don't know, besides attending space camp, I worked at several NASA centers and remain a huge space nerd. So I'm pretty excited to have a woman as inspiring as Alyssa on the podcast today. So Alyssa, with that, please tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how you first got interested in science.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I really first got interested in space and kind of the idea of possibly being an astronaut one day when I was really, really young. Um, I don't remember everything too exactly. Uh, it's pretty, pretty hazy. But it was dad, really early. Yeah. <laughs> but my dad, uh, my dad does remember me coming and asking questions about space and about Mars. You know, have people ever been to Mars before? Is space real? You know, at the time I, of course, knew nothing. Um, and he told me a little bit he knew about the missions to the moon, but really no one in my family had any sort of space or science background. Uh, and so, yeah, he told me pretty much the bare minimum that he knew. And then from then on, I was super interested in trying to figure out more and find out more. And that's really one of the biggest reasons why I went to space camp, just because it was an area where I was able to find out all of this information about space and science I had really been wanting and looking to find and it was finally that place that I was really gaining all that info and pretty much just been working towards that goal and really figuring out what I want to do and I'm now currently a sophomore majoring in astrobiology. That's so awesome.
0: So little known fact, I actually did an internship at NASA Ames and the SETI Institute in astrobiology way back when I was in college, and it's a fascinating field. So tell us a little bit about what astrobiology is.
1: Yeah, totally. So um, astrobiology, it's not super common. Uh, it took me a while to actually find a school that really had like a major program uh, involving astrobiology. It can be a little bit tricky to find, but pretty much astrobiology in general is science and space. So any and all sciences in space. Um, so it's pretty similar to astrophysics, but it's a bit broader. So you really study all the bios, all the physics, all the chems, all the maths, pretty much anything STEM related, you study it. But it pretty much gets, gets you really well versed across all the different disciplines of science. And that way you're able to apply those to space in different ways. So the part about astrobiology that I really enjoy is how like versatile it is and how you can kind of change your mind whenever you want. You know, if for a while you want to study plants in space. Go for it, and maybe then you want to study bacteria in space. Go for it, or you can even study like entire planets as a whole. If you want to like search for planets similar to Earth, you can do that. If you want to be in charge of a scientific experiment happening, let's say up on the International Space Station, you can do that. There's just really so many possibilities with it.
0: That's so awesome and so true. It's really similar training in medicine, actually, where you know you have to take a whole variety of courses from physics to math to biology and chemistry. So. Having that sort of broad, diverse background can actually be really helpful in the future when you're doing something like medicine or being an astronaut. You need to know a lot about everything. Do you have a favorite subject in astrobiology or a particular topic that you really like more than the others?
1: Yeah, that's really funny to mention. I've definitely been bouncing around a lot. When I first started in astrobiology, um, obviously, like my freshman year was was stuff very broad, you know, pretty much like your basic intro bios and that kind of stuff. So I thought that I'd be more interested in like soils and plants, be making soil similar to Martian soil, trying to grow plants in Martian soil, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm in a microbiology lab, and I am just obsessed with everything that we're doing. I've just enjoyed it. Way more than I should be. So uh, I definitely think I'm starting to lean more towards like the bacteria side of astrobiology. I do want to kind of go a little bit more into that way, I think. Learning about all the different tests and categorizing bacteria and actually figuring out what a bacteria is is really, really fascinating. Something that we could potentially be doing on a mission to Mars one day. So we're actually doing this experiment right now where they gave us two random bacterias. We have no idea what they are. We basically have to separate them, run a whole bunch of tests, and then at the end, we have to tell them, this is the name of the bacteria I have. And so it's a really, really cool test to try to figure out how we can narrow it down because I think we have 20 different possibilities. So it's, it's, a, it's a good bit <laughs> to kind of narrow through. Um, but it could be something, yeah, super similar that we could be doing in space one day. You know, if we start finding any signs of bacterial life on Mars, we're going to be doing the exact same thing of trying to classify these bacterias and trying to figure out what they are.
0: Absolutely. And I think you make such a good point about really finding a love for a particular science. You know, once you enjoy it, it's almost like you feel guilty that you enjoy going to work so much. So that's, that's really, really cool. And besides astrobiology, there are a ton of opportunities in spaceflight biology, from medicine to food science. My own grandmother actually was in disbelief when I told her I worked at NASA. She was like, but you aren't a rocket scientist. (laughs) When I talk to anyone about my research projects, I think one of the first things people say is, oh, I didn't know NASA does stuff like that, meaning biology. So can you talk a little bit about some of the opportunities in spaceflight for our listeners who might not be engineers or rocket scientists?
1: Yeah, totally. And that is such an amazing point because, you know, to be able to send astronauts to space, it takes tens of thousands of people across so many different disciplines to to get us there. And that's something I really like to emphasize, especially to, to kids. You know, you don't even have to like math and science to work in the space and STEM industry just because there are so many different jobs and opportunities. There's the psychology part of all of it. There's people that sit there and study how the astronauts are handling space. There's people who study food fatigue. Astronauts can't eat the exact same meal every single day, so they study what they eat and when and how that affects their work. People who prepare the food for the astronauts Mm. and the people who design spacesuits. And, you know, there's definitely a whole wide range of different careers that go into STEM and space. So it's definitely when we initially think about space, we definitely jump towards astronauts, scientists, engineers, but there really is a whole lot more than that. And just like you said, typically the medical field, which is pretty big for, you know, when we're choosing astronauts, we like to have people like pilots, scientists, and then medical are kind of like the three major fields that we like kind of fall back on when choosing astronauts in. It's I feel like the medical side does kind of get overlooked pretty often, but it really is true because we do so much medical research up in space. You know, just being able to introduce a lot of different medicines or bacteria or things like that to microgravity can lead to a lot of new discoveries. So it's been a lot of what we've been doing up on the actual space station. Even just having someone with a very intense medical background is always important to have while we're in space.
0: So speaking of medicine, what do you think is the most interesting change to the human body in space? there's a lot of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. That is a really good question. I think really, when you first go to space, obviously, there's more of a technical term to it. But kind of the more joking term is like big head chicken legs. Because when you mm-hmm. first go to space, all since all the fluids are moving around, I do think that that is quite comical, how kind of our upper body kind of expands and just looks a little wider and our legs get very, very thin. And of course, you know, it only lasts for a few days. But I think it's definitely a fun little change that you get to experience and look a little goofy for the first few days while you're in space. I've heard some
0: people say that the first few days can actually be a little bit uncomfortable. They feel a lot of congestion in their face and uh, sort of like that clogged sinus sensation. Because if you think about it, your body is pumping your blood up against gravity all the time. And so if you're going to space and your body's no longer pumping against gravity, all that fluid pools in your head. And so that can i imagine be very uncomfortable but fortunately our bodies have pressure sensors that sort of signal that there's increased body fluid in the upper body and so then astronauts actually get rid of about 10 to 15% of their plasma volume in the first couple of days of spaceflight and that's what you were saying about how Uh, after the first couple days, it kind of goes away. But some of those pictures, like you mentioned, are pretty comical, where you see these like
1: tiny little legs and big puffy cheeks. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, it's definitely something that, you know, a lot of astronauts go through, you know, we have space sickness, a lot of movie astronauts will experience, you know, the first time that they go to space, they may feel like a little bit of nausea, just because of the changes in space. Um, And we have no correlation between like space sickness and seasickness or, you know, um, motion sickness or things that we're used Mm -hmm. to here on Earth. You know, there's not really a correlation just because it's such a different environment. So that's another pretty interesting occurrence that we have in space for a lot of newbie astronauts to have to go through.
0: Totally. It's been studied for so long and it amazes me that there's still no real answer. We can't predict who's going to get really severe space sickness and who's not. So yeah, lots, lots of cool stuff to, to study in the future. So I have students ask me pretty regularly about how to find research projects in science and medicine, and you have been absolutely amazing at doing this and finding opportunities. So do you have any advice for how students can go about finding internships and research opportunities?
1: Yeah, I will say in terms of like finding opportunities, I would say that one of the best ways to do that is really talking about your dreams and your goals or what you want to do. And that has really led to most of my amazing opportunities has just been me talking to someone or telling someone that like, hey, this is what I want to do someday. Just kind of mentioning that, you know, you never know where the opportunities are going to come from never know who somebody else knows. So it's always worth it to maybe mention to someone what you're interested in doing because they may know someone who knows someone. You never know where the connections could lead. So most of the really amazing real-life research that I've been able to do has been through Project Possum, which is like a citizen science research organization. So it's a whole bunch of everyday people who, whenever we have free time, we come together and get to do um, amazing research involving spacesuits or microgravity or... Um, their main research, which is clouds in the upper atmosphere. But really, all of those opportunities came from me just going to a camp and talking to one of the counselors, which at the time, she was just a college student. She wasn't anyone really big. But I happened to mention to her that I, this was something that I was interested in doing, maybe being an astronaut one day, maybe looking for these opportunities. And she happened to mention, hey, I think there's something starting up at my university. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if you could do it, but it may be worth a phone call. And that led to me figuring out all the information about Project Possum and being able to join them and have since, you know, been able to join this real life research. So even, you know, those small people who you would think, oh, they wouldn't have a connection, they really might. And it could really lead to those amazing opportunities. So definitely don't be afraid to talk about your dreams and talk about your goals. And definitely if you're afraid, don't worry. I pretty much have the most crazy one out there. When I was younger saying I wanted to be an astronaut and go to Mars, it was pretty much the most extreme you could have ever picked, but it's definitely worked in my favor. It's worked out well. So I definitely believe you guys can share whatever your goals are.
0: And that's so true. I mean, anytime a student talks to me about how to find different research opportunities, or they tell me what they're interested in, or they even know a specific scientist they want to work with, I ask, well, have you talked to that scientist? And a lot of times they're like, oh, no, I wouldn't want to bother them. And I'm like, just reach out to somebody and talk to them and tell them you're interested in their work. Because I can say as a scientist, there is no bigger form of flattery than when someone reaches out and is like, I love your work. How can I get involved? So I mean, I think most scientists love talking about what they do. And I mean, like you said, with astrobiology, it's something you're passionate about. And so anytime you have something that you're really excited about, and you know, somebody else who's excited about it, absolutely reach out to them and uh, talk to them about it. And I think, like you said, that opens doors.
1: Yeah, I I do think that that's a really good point because especially, you know, and this is in a lot of different fields, but I think especially in the science and STEM community, you know, we always want more people to come into STEM. We're all really excited about what we do. We're always wanting more kids to get involved. And so definitely I think that if you are interested in STEM, reaching out to almost anyone within the STEM community. They're going to support you. They're going to give you as much advice as they can. We all want to see you succeed, and we want to see you join the community as well. Totally. So um, I see
0: on your mission patch, it says NASA Blueberry. So tell me about NASA Blueberry. Where did that come from?
1: Yeah, so um Blueberry is kind of like my call sign, so kind of like a nickname, but it has to be like given to you, You can't just like pick something cool, but pretty much I, the second time I went to space camp, so I was around like eight or so, I wanted one of like the blue flight suits that everyone was wearing because I wanted to be an astronaut, so I wanted to look like one, just like everyone else, but I didn't fit in any of the flight suits that they had, so my dad ended up finding like this knockoff, really dark shade of blue flight suit, so... It was just not the right color as everyone else. And I was really, really small. So for like the rest of the time at space camp, people started calling me Blueberry. They would say, oh, Blueberry, you know, do this. And I just kind of went on. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, and then I came back. Of course, the next year to space camp a little while later. And they were like, oh, look, it's Blueberry. And it just like kept going on and never went away. So eventually I was like, okay, I'll just take it. I'll accept it. I will go by Blueberry as well. So yeah, it just kind of became like a nickname.
0: That is so awesome. I love that story. And I love that you're sticking with it because I think that's the best thing about those nicknames that are given to you. You earn them in a sense.
1: I definitely think it could be worse. So that's why I was like, like, okay, this isn't too bad. True, true.
0: I always tell people I'll answer to almost anything. So why NASA? When did you know spaceflight specifically was what you wanted to do?
1: Definitely, I was interested in being an astronaut. And of course, that really isn't necessarily a career, right? Because you have to have a job to be able to apply as an astronaut. So really, that was like the first step in figuring out what I wanted to do. But Early on, that was another big thing that Space Camp helped me with, was really figuring out what I was interested in. Even just by going through simulated missions at Space Camp, I could really easily tell that I was way more interested in be doing some sort of spacewalk or maybe doing experiments in space. I was much less interested in like the whole flying and that sort of thing. Uh, of course, I am a private pilot now, but definitely it's not necessarily something I want to do professionally, but something that I did absolutely love on top of that. But Definitely as far as like a professional career, I was way more interested in the science of it. So that just kind of led down the route and then eventually just kind of building this resume to eventually apply to the astronaut selection process. Of course, now uh, with today, there it's possible that when I get around to eventually applying, there could be a lot more options. You know, that could be with NASA. That could possibly be with SpaceX. That could be a lot of these different opportunities that are coming up because we are definitely seeing a whole new realm of space, a whole new idea of space the way we actually get to speak, So it's possible that a lot of that could change or, you know, what selection process I actually go through. We'll see, you know, what happens in the near future. But yeah, pretty much it was always just kind of trying to build my resume to apply to what I wanted to do in terms of astrobiology and then finding any sort of extracurriculars that I could add that also related to what my career was, but also any. Sort of extras to put on there.
0: That's so cool. And yeah, I completely agree. I think spaceflight is expanding quite rapidly at this point. So opportunities for people in spaceflight are also expanding. So Lots of exciting things in the future from that standpoint. So you have been a huge advocate for women and particularly women in STEM fields. So have you personally encountered any difficulties in your training as a woman?
1: I will say, you know, I I definitely, obviously when I first got interested in all this, I didn't realize that STEM and space would be male dominated. It wasn't necessarily a thought that would cross my mind. I really do think that in a lot of the different environments I was in, you know, Space camp, I guess, was slightly more male-dominated, but for the most part, you pretty much had a pretty decent amount of girls as well. In Project Possum, there's also a large community of amazing women. And so I think for the most part, I was exposed to a lot of different environments that did have a lot of girls who were interested in space or working in the space industry. Um, But definitely coming to college is where I've seen, I guess, like the biggest difference. So I go to Florida Tech, and it's very much a STEM space related school. Um, Our most popular major is aerospace engineering. So I think it's like 70-30 in terms of like guys to girls. So this is kind of where I've seen my biggest uh, change in terms of like a huge amount of uh, male domination in this area. So I think literally in astrobiology. I'm sure there's more, but personally, I only know of three other girls in astrobiology that I like actually know about. So it's definitely been really, really interesting to see that. And then as well as having other friends and roommates that are in other fields similar like that. And so on one hand, you know, it is kind of crazy to see that male domination, but I think also at the same time, the females within this space community, we stick together so well. And I think that that's such an amazing community mm-hmm. in its own way. You know, everyone within Project Possum, all the females there, which a lot of them are much older than I am. So, you know, they all have well-established careers and it's been really amazing to look up to them or even, you know, having roommates here who maybe they're in, you know, ocean engineering or other types of engineering, but just being able to have that same experience as them. And so, I do think that although space and STEM is relatively male dominant, all the females who are in there work together and we help each other and we're constantly building and lifting each other up. And I think that really does speak volumes. But definitely, I do think that the next steps are really getting more women across all the different fields that there are within STEM. You know, like we said, there's kind of those major ones of like astronauts and engineers, and we're starting to see a little bit of a change of more women involved in those careers but it's kind of more than that. It's across all those different fields. I'm sure there's plenty of departments still, let's say at NASA, where there's only one woman working in that department at that center. And so Mm -hmm. um, those are kind of the next changes. Is like, always remembering those smaller positions too, not just the big ones that get seen. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think I had a similar experience where I didn't really realize how male-dominated a lot of the science fields were. You know, I saw Apollo 13 and I saw Top Gun and I was like, I can do that too. It never really crossed my mind until I was actually immersed in that world and really started to notice some of those differences. But like you said, I think women are advocates for women. And the more women there are in these fields, the more we can encourage each other and lift each other up and really encourage young girls to pursue some of those same fields. So uh, I love what you're doing and uh, love that, you know, you have a really strong community around you. Are there any roadblocks in particular that you've encountered along your journey? And do you have any advice on how you overcame those roadblocks?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that at times there's been a lot of different difficulties, I think, um, especially for me with my age has been a pretty big difficulty just because I've tried to kind of wedge my way and do stuff relatively early on because I wanted to be involved with everything. So even going within Project Possum, when I first started, I was 15 and most people were in their 30s. And so it was a lot of trying to prove to everyone that it was worthy to be there and that I was able to contribute just as much as someone who was older than I was. And so there have been difficulties with that or honestly just keeping up with the material. You know, I do remember one of my very early possum classes, they were like, oh, let's think back to high school calculus. And at the time I was like, I've never taken calculus before. Like I'm like, I'm like a sophomore, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. Um, so there has been you know, a few of those difficulties in terms of just kind of keeping up and trying to, you know, stay on top of everything. So I really do think that within all the different stuff that I've done, it's just been having such an amazing community that supports and that helps. During that class, I had so many people reach out like, oh, I can kind of help explain this to you to kind of keep you caught up. If you need anything, just reach out. Or even a lot of times in some of like the more physical trainings, they can be very difficult. You know, once in our, you know, our water survival training, we had to, Pull ourselves into a life raft while wearing uh, a spacesuit, which pulling yourself into a life raft is already difficult enough because you're pulling all your body weight. But then we also had the weight of the spacesuit. We had like an oxygen tank on our leg and it was very difficult. And I got to watch like a 35 year old ex military guy struggle. And then they were like, you're next. And I was like, if he can't do it. Or he's struggling to do it, and I'm going to struggle. So it's definitely been amazing to kind of have that. It was also amazing to see all the support. You know, we had everyone like, keep going, keep pulling, you know, cheering you on to kind of push through a lot of those thoughts, that you can't do it. And so I think through most of the hard times that I've had, it's just having that Community, those people supporting you, even if it's only one person rooting you on, it can really make a big difference
0: and also, I mean, I think it's just having that that drive to succeed where it's like, no, I haven't taken calculus yet, but I'm gonna figure this out anyway, or you mm-hmm. know this spacesuit plus tank plus everything else is probably three times my body weight, but I'm gonna do it anyway, and so it's having that really motivated and strong attitude to just say, you know I know this is a challenge, I see it as a challenge and I'm still going to do it. So I think that's an amazing example that you set for other young women. Do you have any specific advice for girls and young women who want to go into the
1: sciences? I would definitely say, you know, make sure you're exploring all of your options and being sure that maybe if you have multiple interests, try to mix them, you know, make sure you're uh, looking into something that you're truly, truly passionate about. You know, I was talking to some girls, some um, I think it was like middle school girls a little while ago, and one of them was like, I like space, but I like fashion, you know, maybe I could do something with spacesuits. And I was like, yeah, totally. You know, that's totally something that you're able to do. You know, the recently SpaceX came out with their newer spacesuits, and they were designed by someone who typically designed superhero costumes. So definitely that's something that you can go into. And so I think that it's really important that you're really looking at all your options, because I do think that especially kids in school, we get taught a lot of the same few like teacher, lawyer, a few of those like same careers, whereas like there really is so many options past that. You know, I think even at my own university, I don't even know all the different majors that relate to space. I mean, there are too many to keep up with. And so definitely find stuff that you are like really, really interested in. And so definitely being able to look through those options is really amazing to find something that you're really passionate about. And I think that once you find what you're passionate about, you're going to want to put in the hard work to achieve it because you want to see it happen and you want to be able to be a part of that. So I think it's finding what you're interested in, like I said, talking about your dreams, talking about your goals, and really never letting anyone take your dreams away from you. Like I said, if you're passionate about it, you can definitely put in the hard work and achieve it.
0: I mean, I know as a little girl growing up in Indiana, my dad was in business, my mom was in teaching, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of those careers in spaceflight or, you know, outside of that realm. And so I think what you said about making sure to Always keep your eyes open, look for something that you're passionate about and make sure that you're still seeing those opportunities that are in front of you, even if they aren't right in front of you. There's there's a lot out there that might not be in your direct day to day exposure, but still being open to it or creating your own opportunities in space fashion are great ways to kind of pursue your dreams. So I know your dad has been a huge advocate for you growing up. So shout out to Dad Carson. How has your family helped you really kind of pursue your goals?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my dad has been one of, you know, my biggest supporter, pretty much helping me with everything. I definitely couldn't be where I am without him just because he has helped so much, not only in encouraging my dream, but also just helping me keep everything balanced and definitely just being my biggest supporter, pretty much like. The way my dad's viewpoint on everything was that he he lived a very full, exciting life. He was a freelance videographer. He traveled around the world, did a lot of exciting stuff. So he really was focused on making sure I was able to live out my own dreams. And so having that was a really amazing part of my childhood. You know, even the first time I went to space camp, me and my dad did like a family camp. So he came along too. He was riding the simulators. He was learning all the information about space with me. So that way he was like there supporting me and then also, you know, learning all that information to help me if I ever needed it. So definitely he has learned way more about space than he ever thought he would need to know. Um, But yeah, it's definitely been amazing to have that support from my family. And then also just know that, you know, he's still every single day helping me balance all the craziness in my life. So not only is it amazing to have, but it's also been such an such a fun journey to have just because like my dad's been able to travel everywhere with me and live through so many amazing experiences together. So it's definitely built our bond up as well. Um just to be able to go through all of this all of this craziness together.
0: That's so awesome. All right. So tell me about the Blueberry Foundation.
1: Yeah, so the Blueberry Foundation, um, it originally started, uh, just because I realized how much Space Camp had helped me in terms of figuring out what I wanted to do and gave me that exposure. And so I wanted other kids really to have the same opportunity. So it really, um, started as a way to be able to encourage and send other kids to Space Camp. And that was really the whole goal of the program. More recently, um, we have been working a lot with kind of groups, I guess, more like group space camps and mainly through like other countries as well. So we have like a group from Mexico send, you know, like 25 uh, students, a group from Argentina send 50 students. And I'm um, really getting people from other countries as well, being able, um, them having that opportunity to learn about space and the opportunities that they're able to go into as well, especially since space is becoming so incredibly uh, global now, you know, really letting them have those opportunities and being able to learn all that information about space.
0: That's so cool. And I think just really speaks to sort of your overall theme of really helping lift up other people and making science and spaceflight accessible to everyone because it's such a cool field. And I love that you are doing so much to support the field and support other women and support people internationally. It's just really incredible work. So congrats on that.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right, so how can our listeners connect with you?
1: Yeah, so really everything is under NASA Blueberry. So a website can kind of lead to everything, nasablueberry.com, but pretty much any and all social media you want to talk about is pretty much under NASA Blueberry. But yeah, pretty much um, whether that's getting in contact if you want advice, I'm always up for talking um, to a lot of my different followers. That's definitely been one of the best parts about social media, honestly, has been able to reach out to kids and people from all over the world and hopefully inspire them. But also, also I post a lot about my microbiology lab and all the cool little bacteria that I'm growing every day. So if you are interested in that, (laughs) there's a lot of pictures and more to come, I promise. (laughs)
0: I don't know about you, but I know when I was doing some of my virus work and growing cells, they were like my pets. I mean, I had to be at the lab every day to feed them and make sure they were doing well. <laughs> if they had a bad day, I had a bad day. I don't know if you've experienced that at all, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely been so much fun. Originally, my whole like plate got contaminated and oh, it was no. like a whole tragedy <laughs> that like happened. But I think, I think we're okay now.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. Good. That that is definitely never fun when you uh, walk into the lab and find contamination there. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Alyssa. I hope that by listening to Alyssa's story, other women might feel inspired to go into STEM fields for their studies or stay the course if they're already enrolled in a STEM field. We certainly all have difficulties and struggles, but persevering will absolutely give you great rewards like a career in medicine or maybe even being the first person to step on the surface of Mars. So thank you, as always, for listening. Please recommend this episode to a young woman you know who might need some inspiration. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating or leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you, so please connect with us on our website at theemergencydocs.com or Instagram at The Until next time.